what did you have for breakfast today? I had wheat bix. That's what I have every day. Okay. I'm like how Bradley. Ma- how many do you do? Huh? Well, I do seven. <laughs> okay. But other people think that's too much. I think, well, I just do however many fits in my bowl at home. podcast is brought to you by Neural Media. Neural Media is an effortless and affordable content production service. We help businesses save time and money by taking away the pain of producing content. If you want to grow your audience through content production, head to neural.com slash media. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E.com slash media. Create a quote and request a callback from me personally. If you want to learn more about the benefits of growing your audience, download our free series on how to create content at the bottom of neural.com slash media. Listeners to this podcast receive a special 10% discount by using the promo code UNCOMMON. Welcome to Uncommon, the podcast that helps you build your knowledge, skills, and mindset through interviews with unique individuals. My name is Jordan Michaelides, the CEO of Neural Media and your host. In this episode, I have for you Luke Kidgel. Luke is a stand-up comic, YouTuber, co-host of Luke and Lewis on Fox 101.9, the host of the Memoirs of a White Guy podcast, and probably one of the smartest meme connoisseurs in Australia. Now, this tambourine master, as I like to call him, is, in my opinion, the most talented comedian I know when it comes to propagating an idea across culture. From the viral You Don't Own Me meme series to his newest attack on space pineapples, zooper dupers, Luke has a unique talent in knowing how to successfully push an idea across the zeitgeist. Now, while he thinks his comedy is just shit memes, as he called it, and a sprinkle of talent, I believe, like his radio co-host Lewis, he is by far one of the hardest working comics in the game. And to think this guy only started creating comedy around 18 years of age, much later than any other comic I've interviewed before. And then you add in this sort of tireless work ethic to that unique talent and you have a comedian that is uniquely placed to spread brilliant comedic memes in our lives. Uh, This is a great discussion where we talked about Reese Mastin, of course, memes including You Don't Own Me, viral videos and social media. Growing up in the country in Diamond Creek, the brand of Luke Kidgel and disrupting radio with Lewis. So... I think like last week with uh, Lewis's episode, this would be really good for anyone who enjoys comedy and culture. As I said last week, we've got probably a month um, of comedians. It just so worked out that that's how it is. And I I quite enjoy uh, speaking to these guys and, and hearing them challenge ideas that are out there. So if you've got a friend that likes that sort of stuff or likes Luke, Lewis, any of the internet comedians out there, do share this with them. Uh, If you enjoy it yourself, consider subscribing on your podcast app. And if you want to enjoy another episode, check out episode 101 with Lewis Spears, where we spoke about his career and sort of being the archetypical jester joker type in the comedy scene. 
If you want the show notes for any of these episodes, as I say every time, uh, you can just learn more at our index, which is neural.com slash podcast, N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E.com slash podcasts. But as I say each week, thank you so much for listening, regulars for coming back and newbies. Thanks for giving us a shot. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Luke Kidgel. Luke, thanks for joining me on uh, It's a Sunny Day now. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's going to be pissing down for the next four days straight. Now. I heard that, yes. Yeah. That's Melbourne. Yeah. What Cla- are you going to do? Classic, classic Melbourne. Um, now, I thought about icebreakers to get us started and Lewis gave me a lot, but there's <sighs> there's also a lot out there that I could have started with. Well, okay. The, well, what were the ones you were thinking? And then I want to know what he was thinking. Okay. So, the ones that I was thinking was the obvious one is Luke's back <laughs> <laughs> uh, or the free source initiative, favorite subway sandwich or the Osher haircut. Man, I could talk about all these <laughs> on all separate podcasts. We could do an hour on each of these if and, you want. And Luke said... Uh, sorry, Lewis said. Yeah. Um, it's good that you can tell us <laughs> apart. That's good. <laughs> Branding's going well. <laughs> Lewis, Lewis said, uh, it, I could cover any of these things, but the thing that stands out the most to me was to get him to tell you about Reese Maston <sighs> and the dance. I mean, I'd love to tell you about that. Uh, do you know much of the Reese Maston backstory? I mean, I know about him. Do you know him. who Reese, Reese is? Yeah, he's an Australian idol. He's a musical prodigy. Um, he's from X Factor. A common okay. misconception. Uh, he's from the Superior Talent Show, okay. which is uh, where all uh, great Australian artists come from. And uh, yeah, so Reese, uh, I don't know how it started. It, one day we were in our office and we were going through like old X Factor contestants and seeing, seeing what they're up to. And I chucked on the song Good Night, uh, which was his hit song on the show. And um, we just started jamming out to it. Like immediately we're like, man, this is a track. I don't know why people don't pump this more. And then... Lewis got up in the uh, in our office at the time. We said now don't have an office, but at the time we did, and uh, he just started like fist bumping his hand in the air repeatedly, and it became the official chorus dance of the song. And then the weird part about it was we were doing it around the office for about three weeks, just as an in joke between us, like and a few people around work. Okay, and then it's kind of as all our stuff does, it seeps onto social media slowly, and then it really took a life of its own. And like within like days, we were getting people sending videos back of them doing the race Maston dance to the song. Oh, and then like to it got to the point where we're getting like videos of busloads of school kids, like fifty school kids just pumping race Maston like out of a boombox, like and all screaming the lyrics and stuff. And it got to the point where we got three hundred people to do it in a theater, and it's filmed in four K. The footage is somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, you sit down in the verse, and then as soon as he hits the chorus, you get up and you do the do the chorus Just dance like a fist bump yeah and then we ended up getting Reese Maston on the show and he was super like we were super worried that he'd be like offended because the whole thing was like man we love you <laughs> like and it was super positive and then he was like happy to kind of come on board and play into it a bit and he came on the show organized Lewis did know so it was a Lewis's Christmas surprise last year oh, wow and took a blindfold off his favorite musical artist is standing in front of him and uh, they hugged it out, and then we all did the dance together, and it was the best moment of my life. But then, since then, me, Reese, and Lewis have weirdly become friends. <laughs> so, like now, we're, like we've just hung out a bunch of times, like and not doing any content, just having beers. <laughs> wow! So he's an interesting guy. He's a nice. He's guy. a very cool guy, and he he was super um, cool to talk to, just about like what experiencing 
Because he, he was doing it. He told me, I think he did something like 30-something arenas around Australia and New Zealand. Oh, wow. He was doing arenas. Like, if you go look at the dates he was doing, he was doing Rod Laver, Perth Arena and stuff. And it was interesting to talk about, like, what that is like, like, what experiencing that kind of level of fame really quickly and really young is like. And he, yeah, yeah it was interesting. And, yeah, because that was like, so six, seven years ago was his prime, I think. I mean, yeah, but honestly, like, maybe, yeah, popularity, but we went to see his show last year, and he is phenomenal. And how many people He's would- just doing rock now, like, it's just rock and roll band, he's got a great band behind him, and he's doing originals that blow the old shit out of the water. Wow. And so, he, he's doing his own shows, is yeah. it, like, is it a bit smaller now? He's yeah, sort yeah. of, like, it's smaller Yeah, it's smaller, but he completely, he ditched the whole, like, teenage girl fan thing. Like, there's still a few teenage girls there kicking around from the old days, who have now kind of grown up, but still like him. Yeah. But there's- True believers. There's, there's rock dudes there. There's, like, dudes, like, with mohawks there. Wow. So he's just changed the image. But that's what happens when you change your image. You're going to lose some people. There's sort of... This Reese Maston thing reminds me of, I guess, memes or ideas that have been spread by the two of you. Like, there's a tendency amongst... Like, for example, well, Lewis... That, that's, all our con- that's all my content is. Like, yeah. Lewis does different kind of stuff online, but my content on the radio and personally is just shit memes. <laughs> like, it, it, it's just... Like, it's funny, but, like, like I mean, that's the goal. <laughs> but it's like, it's like running a thing into the ground, but hitting it from as many different angles as you possibly can. Yeah. So, it's like, here's a joke. Now, how can we make this into, a, like, a revolution? Yeah. And the, Lewis did that with... Um, the, what, the reason why I said Lewis as well was he did yeah. that with uh, Susie Pierce or Su- oh, Susie... Susan McClure. McLean, McLean or, I don't know. Anyway, the lady, Someone. the cyberbullying lady. Yeah. And he's, it's gotten to the, he was telling me that it's basically like that meme has ruined her life. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite. But, rem- the, but that's the internet. That's the, the general I culture know. of it. No, but it's not the internet. It's Australia. It's Australian internet. Like think about yeah. what we've done as a, as a culture with Shannon Noll. <laughs> like, well, there's no reason for that. Or even Daryl Braithwaite now has had this sudden resurgence because young people are just like, yeah, man, you one song and we will sing it forever. <laughs> like, and that's just Australian culture is like, make a, someone who necessarily shouldn't be a hero, a hero, yeah. which is what like our audience embraced Reese like, he's the he's a god now like and it got to the point now so we used to this is the, this is the, when i knew the joke had gotten out of hand when he comes on the show we have an in joke with reese where we suit up out of respect so we me and lewis wear suits because we want to look dapper and our best and then people our fans started going to his concerts dressed in suits oh so we were god. getting photos of people dressed in suits at a rock gig with a photo next to reese and reese is telling us like man your fans keep coming in suits <laughs> <laughs> and we're just like, yeah, it's gotten out of hand. We're sorry. What but, the fuck? But like, <laughs> but like that shows you almost the impact that you don't even realize it when you're doing it because we just do it because we just think it's stupid and funny. <laughs> but you don't realize the actually how much people are taking everything you say literally and like, I will follow this to the. But how much? The, how much they love it? Like, okay, so. But you, I used to love s- that shit with like Hamish and Andy and stuff. Yeah. Like I used to love whatever garbage they were doing at the time. Like, <laughs> just it's incredible. Like to follow an arc because it's an escape. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. Like last year when they did the fragrance thing, they had Andy. That they, they it became the largest selling, the quickest selling fragrance <laughs> of all time. Yeah. They sold out every chemist warehouse by ten a.m. the day it was released, <laughs> and it was a fragrance with Andy on the bottle. 
<laughs> like that is the power of a shit meme in Australia. So, so I want to get into that because I I've always thought this like, there you know for example Brown Cardigan yeah has half a million example. followers. So it's not just you know. So edgy. can I just do a quick brag? Yeah, made the platinum cut. Yeah, cut. did you say that? You did. Yeah, I did. The, and you, you made the all time like um not the all time but like the the, the top year ten in, for the year. Yeah, year, year in review. review. Yeah. It was like top ten clips from the year. Yeah, yeah, boy. Man. We're we're definitely gonna get into that because I oh, think this man. is. I'm this... gonna tell my grandkids about that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'll probably yeah no like there's a lot of stuff to tell them, but the brown cardi and platinum cut are like you don't know what an honor that is. <laughs> <laughs> now. I've been thinking about this for a while because they posted something the other day about this whole like change in Australian culture, like people getting offended and all this sort of stuff. But I I, I don't agree because I, I still think like things like brown cardigan are huge in Australia and things like lad Bible and all that well, sort of stuff. Well, the old media has made a few people... Have, like tw- It's like Twitter and like old media, but I would say the general common... Like, if you actually, I don't want to say the common man, but like, you know what I mean? The general consensus above, like around, at least with my friendship group and other friendship groups, I know it's like, no one cares. No one gives a fuck. People like think they have to care because it's like, oh, I don't want to be politically incorrect. But like, no one cares. Everyone laughs at it themselves. Like, if you see something like, Frank Cardigan will post stuff that's quite edgy. Yeah. Like, you know, that they get taken out a lot from Instagram. But you laugh when you watch it by yourself. Oh, you Everyone love it. Does. <laughs> I know people who are in the new media now. I'm not going to say it, but I know people who are like on radio and stuff who, who actively follow that page and participate in it. But this is the thing. I know I follow people because we've interviewed people in this area, like areas like politics, like politicians that are serious politicians mm. and they follow Brown Cardigan. Of course. Like, <laughs> uh, did, didn't they post a screenshot of Bill Shorten following them? Or was that so. fake? Or Ma- no, it was Malcolm Turnbull. Oh, yeah, it was one of like a few, a really big politician. Yeah, but you know what? That's also politicians doing it to try and keep up with the young skiing people. Oh, you know I, don't, I, mean? I don't know. I feel like... That's them trying to be in touch. I feel like they're in on it as <laughs> well a bit. Now, just explain why you think this is part of our culture. Do you think it's the sort of egalitarian element? We or it's just, just love garbage. It's, you know why? Because <laughs> we're funny people. Yeah. Just even like I just came back from America and the people there aren't funny. Like, you know, you can genuinely crack a joke with anyone here and they'll give you like a, <laughs> you could do that in America and people are like, sorry, what? And you're like, oh, that was a joke. And they're like, oh, okay. And you're like, it just goes over their head. They're not funny people. <laughs> like I would say Australians, it's like a classic Australian thing to have a good sense of humor because everyone's dad or uncle is funny. Yeah. Someone has a funny person in their family and it rubs off. Yeah, it just filters through generations of just shit memes. Uh, whether it's like, so, but like that's the thing. Sense of humor now, sadly, with the internet, has just become for at least my generation is what we view. Like whether it's Brown Cardigan posting about magpie swooping Swoopy people, boys. like swoopy boys or whatever, like that stuff. It's it's the best example is Shannon Noel because that was like one of the originals. Yeah, but. Man, like, look at this, like, thing. I've been doing it for a week on Instagram, just posting the that Luke's I'm back. back thing, yeah. And it's not even a joke. It's just I'm back on YouTube. And <laughs> if you say it enough and make enough memes and, and like, just attack the that idea that I'm back from that many different angles, people want to participate in it. I've been it's getting fun. people screaming, yeah. filming themselves screaming on the street, Luke's back. It's just a fun thing to participate in. Yeah. Because you can be on this, you can be on board the idea that I am back. Well, it's sort of like, if you think about it in high school, right? 
like you're sitting there and I, I was a real smart ass. I was a massive shithead until yeah. about year 10 where my I dad everyone was. Yeah, gave me the threat that, oh, we'll take you out of this school and send you to some oh, shitty school. Oh, you were that school. bad? Yeah. I wasn't that bad. Yeah, I was in detention. <laughs> I was in detention every Friday um, after school. Because- I only got one or two detentions. Yeah. I One was, time I told a kid to suck his own dick. <laughs> and do you know how bad that is to have to go home to your dad? Because it's like they'd say, they write down what you did. It was a principal's detention. So you have to get your parents to sign off on it. So I had to come back home. And it was when I was old enough to 100% know better. And I just, it was funny at the time. And then like, it was in year 12. I was like 18. And I had to go back to my house and I'm like, Dad, you need to sign this. I got a principal's detention. <laughs> and he's like, what did you do? And I'm like, and it just says on the form, told another student to suck his own dick. <laughs> my dad, who was also a teacher, not easy, he's a primary school teacher, had to be like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> it, that, that's so funny. <laughs> but that, that, that thing that you did reminds me of high school and how these memes would spread. Like, you'd start like a... Well, sort a, of saying about a teacher that's or, what we did in high school, or, or someone else and then everyone wants to get on it because it's it's a little bit funny and then it gets very very funny the more yeah. people get on it that's what i that's how this started like i started doing videos for my friends in this facebook group um online that no one knows about it's like 100 people and it's still from high school and there's like years and years of just garbage videos that me and my friends used to make and then eventually i made one public and yeah. that's how the luke kidgel thing started yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. I wanted to play something for you. I just want you to, for our audience, we'll probably dub this other, but I just want to play this and see if uh, it brings back good memories. Okay. <laughs> yes. So, what do you think about when you hear that? It's the best and worst thing I've ever done. Okay, why? The best because it gave me a platform and an audience and uh, so if you... Should we give context for people? Yeah, that explain know? the meme. Uh, I made a video called You Don't Own Me um, where I ignored signs to the popular song that you just heard, You Don't Own Me. <laughs> uh, it's not high art, but it's definitely something. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's like it was a thing that at the time it didn't blow up. So it went super viral. I think I've worked it out now. It's well over because it just gets shared all the time mm-hmm. still. It's well over. I, I've, been, I've been dropping this stat for it's probably more now. It's about... Uh, half a billion views worldwide. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay, yeah, I yeah. thought it was like, I remember... No, no, no but probably 600 million now. Oh, probably more. Because like I see it uncredited, even like I saw one last week, like uncredited, posted a week ago, 7 million views on Instagram. So if you search on YouTube, there's a few copycat versions as well. Yeah, like mine on Facebook has like 18 million. Wow. Um, and there's three parts to them. So if you do them all, they'd have probably a billion views all up because this... Wow. It, it's just like a thing that I'll never escape. <laughs> Because I think it was probably one of the most viral videos of 2017. Wow. Like, it's made... like, And then, like, huge YouTubers like Mr. Beast and stuff did their own. Um, he's, he's now got, like, you know, 14 million subscribers and stuff. And now people come to me and they see his versions of it. And he credits me in the thing and goes, like, you know, check out Luke Kidgels. This is where I got the idea from. People comment on my stuff all the time, like, you copied Mr. Beast. And I'm like, no, he's just way bigger than me now. <laughs> he, he just, like... That's how he got big because he racks people's shit. Fuck. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, and gets away with it. Yeah. I mean, like, he credited me, so I don't care. Like, at the yeah. start, I did. A few big Australian people copied and stuff. And 
I don't know. It's time at the time I cared because I was like I felt like it was my idea, and I was like, and then it got to the point where I was like, dude, it's so dumb, like, to even care if someone because like my video is so stupid that it's like, dude, if someone wants to copy that, then go for it. Like, it's so dumb. What were those first few days like when it when it went viral? Yeah, it was crazy. I just kept like for the first day, like, keep refreshing it because I'd had a couple of somewhat I had videos get to half a million on Facebook before that. Yeah, but then. Well, it was like a gradual thing. The first night I dropped the first one, only got 300 likes. No one cared. I just thought, oh, well. That was a th- video I thought was funny. Clearly not. And then another video I did, an exam video, got shared on Lab Bible. So, a bunch of people came over to my page. And then the video before that was You Don't Own Me. So, all these people from Lab Bible then started watching mine. And then Lab Bible saw that and went, oh, shit, we should post this one too. And then as soon as like UniLad and Lab Bible and stuff posted it, it just it went nuts. Off to the races. And then by the time I dropped, so the second and then the second one went even bigger so i made one more i was like i'll do one more before my tour because i was touring a show called you don't know me and then i dropped it and i refreshed it and it had a thousand likes fuck because i said i'm gonna post it at 7 30 so there were people waiting at their computer what the fuck it's insane like it was <laughs> insane and it had like within like 10 minutes it had about like fifty thousand views whoa dude and and it's like it, it, yeah, it, oh, it was something that would never happen again. Yeah. And I knew that at the time. I was like, I can never... Uh. You can't beat this. And it's like, I can top it funny-wise. I can top it content-wise. I can top it creatively. I just will never be able to top the popularity. What, why do you think it spread? Was Do you think it was simply uni lad, lab bible, just the timing it's, of everything? It's everyone posted. Viral thread all in the same night. I reckon the 20 biggest uh, content pages on Facebook posted it. And they also posted on the Instagrams and Twitters. So it was everywhere within 48 hours. And then I got about 200,000 likes on my page in, in about 48 hours. Whoa. Which is a lot to get. Like, that's... That's a lot. That's insane. And then after that... And that it, it ruined my life in a way that was like... I had spent six months going... I didn't upload a video after that for two months. Because I was like, I don't know how to... How do I come back from that? <laughs> like, like, what can you do? What's other than doing another one, which I never did? Yeah, because I didn't want to be that guy forever. I could have got to a million likes in a, a, a week if I had have kept making them. Wow! I just like didn't want to be that guy who ignores signs. Because well, I was, I wanted to do comedy. I'm like, that's not even comedy, really. Yeah, you didn't want to. You didn't want to be like a 15 minutes of fame sort of meme and that was it no like yeah, there's guys like Roy Purdy and stuff who's like oh, if he's not dancing in glasses people don't give a shit yeah. so I like didn't want to be the guy if I'm not wearing stupid glasses and ignoring a sign people don't care and there are people like that now but I've, I try and get rid of them that's why I do all the Luke's back garbage yeah. like I lost 500 followers this week and I love that <laughs> I'm trying to get down to 40,000 on Instagram because yeah. I know there's about 10,000 people there that don't give a shit about me and are just there just waiting, for for, hanging for a, maybe there'll be a part four one day and there's <sighs> never going to be a part four. That's interesting. Where did the idea come from? I was watching Suicide Squad in the cinema and that song, You Don't Know Me, is in the soundtrack and Suicide Squad is a terrible film and I was bored and I remember thinking, wouldn't it be funny if I just like... I think I leaned over my mat. I think I was eating popcorn and it was like, there was a sign that said, don't throw popcorn. And I think I might've like flicked it at him. And then like the song was playing. I was like, you don't know me. Like, I think I just did it. And then I was like, I should just do it. Like make a video. This could be funny. <laughs> oh man. But again, this was when like no one was watching my shit. So I was just like, you know, got 300 likes, or whatever. I maybe had like 10,000 likes on Facebook. I was like a real underground <laughs> Melbourne kind of YouTuber, like comic who's 
had a small niche following like <laughs> so i didn't give a shit what i made i just made whatever and now there's yeah it gave me a platform overnight yeah well now you've got like well over i think a bit over three hundred thousand followers yeah. yeah i don't know what instagram but again was. like that hasn't like yeah you know, like the, the, a lot, 200,000 200, of those were in 48 hours. So, and <laughs> well, then the rest has been like a slow grind. So, what has it taught you about spreading these ideas? Like, did it crystallize in your mind then, you know, the way that you're you're going about Luke's back right now, has it made you, you realize that there is a certain way to go about it if you want to propagate uh, something? No, so, so I say for the first three years and two years of making videos, all I ever wanted to do was go viral. I was like, I just want to have a viral video. And I just wanted to be like one of those guys. Like I loved, I grew up watching um, Alex Williamson, Troy Kinney, um, stuff like that. And even Frenchie and Josh and stuff. So I was like, I need, I just want to like be one of those. I just want to tour shows and have an audience. So I spent forever just doing whatever I could to get a viral video. I was like, if exam time was about, I'd make a video about exams. Mm-hmm. And now... I've, cause I've got that platform now. I just do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, which is screaming Luke's back. I I do the shit that I find funny now. So it's not even. I don't try and be relevant anymore. Who cares? No, I don't care. Yeah, because like I make my own world. Mm. Like I, you know what I mean. Like I, some some content creators go like, this is what's happening in the news. I'm going to talk about it so it gets clicks. Yeah, but I'm just like, dude, I make news. N- not news, but I make people care about a thing luke's back wasn't in the news this week but yet there was three thousand people talking about it with their friends yeah so i'd prefer to do that yeah because i mean you've done some really funny things that could become memes in and of themselves like you and frenchie did make blading great again which and i think we're gonna keep doing is it un- really underrated I, I fucking love it yeah um but the rollerblading thing is so funny like yeah. it's just rollerblading in 2018 is ridiculous yeah and <laughs> you, you rarely see it but when you go down to places like St. Kilda Beach, <laughs> Dude, the funny part about that video was we rollerbladed uh frenchie was staying in carlton we rollerbladed from carlton to federation square which if you don't live in melbourne is about two kilometers right and then we finished filming the camera man left and we were just like do you want to just blade back so we bladed back with no cameraman he's wearing a mighty ducks t-shirt i'm wearing an oz kick cap and a mountain dew t-shirt we are like just proper unir- unironically yeah unironically like on the tram in rollerblades just having a great time without a cameraman so like we live the meme <laughs> Well, you sort of, it's sort of that method acting, you know? It was so funny. I was just like, he was, he's probably going to hate me for saying this. He was, he's rolling ahead of me and he's like, and he turns around and he laughs and he just hits a dab and and he's wearing this ridiculous gold chain. This is Frenchie. Ridiculous gold chain, a Mighty Ducks t-shirt, rollerblade shorts, and he dabbed at me and I went, man, you're 32. What are you doing? <laughs> like, I'm 22 and this is sad as shit. But if I'm doing this, you know, and the thing is, I can't judge because I'm, if I'm not doing that at 32, I'm going to be miserable. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully I am doing it, it's, that. It's very funny. I, I want to see some more. But the other one is Pokemon Go Hard or Go Home. That was the first one that went big. Yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> that was again, that was me trying to be relevant. That was just things I did because Pokemon Go was becoming this huge thing. So I was like, let's make a video about it. Mm. And that's how you used to do my content because I was like, let's do... And it's a great way. If you want to go viral and you're listening to this, it's the best way to do it. Yeah. Like before the comedy festival this year, you're going to see some relatable shit because I get to get paid. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's no recipe. There's no... There is a recipe. It's, what is it? Whatever's in the news, make a video about it and one out of four will go viral. Okay. 
or one out of five. Like you just keep doing it, and eventually one will get viral. Mm. That was the formula, and it worked because uh, because people go like. It's just people taking their friends. I mean, Facebook now has changed. I feel like YouTube's taken over Facebook again because for a bit, Facebook video took over YouTube and now it's back to YouTube because Facebook video just sucks. Mm. I hate watching videos on Facebook. Yeah, I don't really use Facebook No, neither do I. I don't really scroll anymore. Yeah. I'm so hypocritical. I still post stuff, expect people to watch my shit, but I won't watch anyone else's. Yeah, it worries me though because like, I have shares in Facebook and I'm like, oh, like it's really not an enjoyable product anymore. It's like, not. It's, it's all I use it for Messenger now. That's Messenger and events, yeah, yeah, and events, yeah. Um, Instagram was my thing, but I think Dude, I was... Instagram is is the king. I think I think it's the best social media app. Definitely, I but think I... for me at least, like that's where I feel like I, I my audience congregates. Even though I have a bigger following on Facebook, I feel like the actual it's how I communicate most with fans. Mm. Like people will message me and I'll check my DMs. Yeah, Snapchat's dead now. Yeah. Snapchat is definitely dead. It's dead. I don't use it anymore. But I, I get a little bit addicted. I, I delete my apps for like a few days a week and then put them back on because otherwise I just find myself looking back. At, I can't do that because yeah. it's my job. Yeah. I, I actually hate social media. In No, I don't hate it. But like there's an aspect of it I hate about it. And I sometimes think I probably would. This is me just being pretentious. But sometimes I go like, if it wasn't my job, I wouldn't post on it. I would. <laughs> of course I would. But like, I would like to think that I'd use it a lot less because mm-hmm. I don't really care about scrolling and stuff. I mainly just do it for my, for my own personal, I just post well, it's, content. It's in, it's enjoyable. I put like out more than I actually consume, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be true. I've, I mean, I have to do it for, for our job as well. Like the, yeah, of course. We, we make a media, media company. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I'm thankful that my, my fiance and partner is more willing to, <laughs> to look at that sort of it's stuff. It's tiring. And- Sometimes I have to promote a podcast and I'm like, all I got to do is one Instagram story. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, and I'll procrastinate over a 15 second Instagram story. Yeah. And just, I'm, I'm like, I'll just go write some jokes. Cause like to me, that's more fun <laughs> than actually just posting on social media. Cause that's the boring part of my job. I yeah. Feel. See, I used to find myself procrastinating with the social media, you know, preventing me from doing actual work. Of course. Um, even though I, I feel great when I do the actual work because all the work I do, I love doing, but it's just, it's this weird thing. I've got this sort of addictive personality, I feel, to this stuff. I've completely changed the way I use my phone as well. Like, I don't have any notifications on. I don't have. The only thing is people, notif- call, if, if people call me. If I don't, if, if I had notifications on, no. I have Messenger, the only people contact me, notifications. I don't have any likes or any notifications on. Yeah. Because otherwise... I don't know, like, well, for a bit, Lewis did. And this is when he was getting, like, a thousand likes on Instagram. And we'd be at a gig, and his phone was just been a tablet. It's constantly going ding, 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 ding. I'm like, turn it off. That's just a no. A, it's pissing me off. And, like, B, it's this can't be good to constantly just... It's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. And I think he just... He, he wasn't doing it for, like, the affirmation. He was like, I, dude, I don't know how to turn it off. Like, he <laughs> he was just, like, couldn't be bothered. <laughs> that's sound, that's But I think it. he has since turned it off. Because, yeah, if you're getting thousands of likes on a photo, and of that, you can't be... Mm. looking at that all the time i don't even check it i check it a day after i post a thing and then just put my phone i airplane oh my favorite airplane thing. mode i airplane if i ever want to do shit during the day i airplane mode and i throw my phone and yeah. then i find it afterwards i'm like where do i put it that's a good idea yeah. I've, I've done that i i put it on airplane mode and i put it in a completely different room yeah um, sometimes under the couch in my lounge room. It's like my happy place when I, whenever my phone is on airplane mode, I'm like, ah, oh. like <laughs> you feel again. different. You really do. And deleting these social media apps, you feel, I find that just mentally I'm different. I'm less, you know, less likely to check the thing for whatever calendar, yeah. 
emails, whatever. I'm just... Well, yeah, sometimes I open my phone and I go like, I'm going to get a camera roll and airdrop it to my computer for a video. I did it last night. I was editing. And then five minutes later, I was on Instagram and I was like, what are you doing? I was like, you're just going to go to straight to your camera roll. But like, I was like, oh, I wonder if the photographer messaged me back. And then I'd like, I go on Instagram and, I, and then because I was already on, on Instagram, I replied to the photographer. That's fine. That's work. And then I saw a photo of my mates and I was like, oh man, he's away now. That's cool. <laughs> I was like, I should probably message oh, him. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just get really distracted. Yes. These things are built for that. And They're I read this geniuses. brilliant article this week. It's like a, it's a now read. It's a very long read. And it goes through every single step you should take to make this thing less addictive. Like I didn't even realize, but changing your screens to be a different type of purpose or having like a, a home screen where it covers the basics that you need so that you can just get a review on that as opposed to looking at your different screens. Like this guy was saying that you should have all of your apps in alphabetical order um, depending on the page you got because... <laughs> Did that guy have like OCD? Like no, what? no, no. The reason is, is because our brain gets trained to just look for the, th- the best thing. But if you put it in alphabetical order... You're training your brain to look for what you actually need. So let's say you were going to airdrop that thing, right? But ah, uh, nah, because my brain would just recog- would just immediately remember which part of the screen it's on. Eventually, yeah, yeah. Eventually, like I just know like where Instagram is, like. But at least for, at least you can disrupt. Like it I, for I now. have Instagram as the top four down oh, the God. bottom, which is dangerous. This is terrible. I'm looking at this screen. This looks like a. Uh, a worker's worst nightmare. Not really. It's all <laughs> necessary. Like, go through an app there. Okay, the only one that's... I don't know why I have the 10... No, okay. All of these ha- have been used for work in the past. The apps that I have are Uber. Okay, that's not work, but <laughs> you need that on the homepage. Yeah. I have Twitter, uh, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram. I have to be like, yeah, that's work. And then Spotify, I listen out the car. And then Outlook, work email. Fine. I don't have any games and stuff on here. Who has games? <laughs> Like, who's still busting out Angry Birds on the train? Like, get a life, dude. Listen to music. Listen to a podcast. Yeah, listen to yeah, us. Yeah, <laughs> listen to us talk about it. <laughs> now, I want to... You mentioned earlier about what you want to do and what, you know... It just got me thinking about who you are and who you want to be and, and well, what I've is... Been, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Because, <laughs> well, this year, I... And I was thinking about it on the way in, actually, because I was like, I wonder what he's going to ask me. And... <laughs> I was like, what am I going to say? Like, if you ask me what, what's next, I was like, dude, I don't even know. Like, Well, I want to know about your early... Like, you for, okay, when I did my research, this yep. I think I was saying this before, maybe I wasn't, but information on you is hard to come across unless it's like y- your career. Yeah, it's because very I'm like a G-grade Australian internet personality. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I, you know, you can't find anything about family, school, photos of partners girlfriends they're out there but like i, I keep that stuff well, I, relatively I, I, private. i've realized you've you've kept it private but the, the interesting thing was no, i post picture i've post picture with my parents before honestly. yeah like just on instagram but okay. like you know but i mean it's it's interesting looking at the most searched google topics on you i think it's luke kidgel wikipedia love island vcal radio you don't own me right brisbane stand up instagram all those things are positive <laughs> things that means people want to well, you ne- it made me realize you need a Wikipedia page. Well, how do you... I don't know. I'm not making one. <laughs> I don't care. I'm putting the call out to your fans yeah, that are listening. Someone else make a one. A Wikipedia page is required because I've interviewed business people and they don't have the following that you or Lewis have. 
and they've got Wikipedia pages. You guys need a Wikipedia page. But you're the only one researching me. me. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, like, there's no one else who wants that. It's just <laughs> yes, you. they do. Yes, they do. Um, my biggest claim to fame actually is being on Amy Shark's Wikipedia page because that was another thing we did. The are you aware of the Amy Shark thing? No. We just so this year uh, she had that song. Tell them all I said hi. So Lewis and I again started as an in joke between us. We call each other at one a.m. and be like, "Amy Shock says hi," and then hang up. Right, <laughs> and this is just what we do with that time. And then we're like, and I was like to Lewis one day, I was like, "Can we make this productive and do a video where we tell a bunch of people in public that Amy Shock says hi?" And he's like, "Yeah, uh, boom, let's do it." And then we did this video, got heaps of views. Amy Shock shared it. She ended up coming on the show, like, and now it's just this huge in joke to tell someone that Amy Shark says hi. And now we're trying to get her to win the Triple J's Hottest 100 next year. Wow. So she can tell literally the entire country that she says hi. <laughs> and that's mission complete. <laughs> wow. Fuck, you guys really are similar to Hamish and Andy in that respect. <laughs> I'm just, that. I mean, yeah, just because... But, like, that's every show, though. That's not just... Ha- like, that's every show has little missions and stuff. Because otherwise... You know what? You know, you know, what are you? No, yeah. Otherwise, you know what the sad part about what we do is? There's no reason to do it. There's no reason to, to to do anything. There's no reason for radio. There's no reason for entertainment. There's no reason for movies Yeah. in Hollywood. There's no reason for any of this other than humans enjoy consuming other humans' content. Yeah. So I'm like, you got to do it about something. You so gotta, you gotta... if we just happen to find that particular niche telling everyone that Amy Shark says hi, hilarious. <laughs> so, what, what was it like growing up in uh, Diamond Creek? Good. It's like a really nice suburb. Yeah. Like it's... There were lots of trees. Um, I, it was a weird thing. It, kind of like a, a bubble that opened up when I started doing comedy and started coming into the city like every night. I was like, oh my God. Like, I didn't realize how much of my life was in a bubble because all my friends lived in surrounding suburbs. <laughs> my whole life's there. Yeah. So, I kind of got out and, think, and everyone was like, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, Diamond Creek. And everyone's like, where's that? And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> even though I used to come to the city or watch the footy and stuff and do different things when you're around people all the time who just live in Brunswick and you don't realize I just I was like yeah 40 minutes to the city that's fine like you just get used to it you don't think anything of it but your life is what the general public lives that's the interesting thing is the people who live you know in a city including yeah. myself that is an abnormal life most people don't live like that you know it's it's there's more people who live in the outer suburbs or yeah. the suburbs than than live in brunswick carlton and, yeah but and i feel like all the comedians and stuff i talk to of course because yeah. again i work in a job where everyone works in the city people live closer to their job i just happen to not i just commute <laughs> and for an hour every day or yeah two hours each way diamond creek is up north i remember looking at this like the other week and it's so weird now that like my fan base or I don't know. Cause yeah, near I don't, Eltham. I don't, yeah, I don't like saying the word fan. But anyway, the people who follow <laughs> what I do, it, they they all know now where I live. So, like, now in my area, it's become a thing where, oh, like... No. Do you mean, like, your actual house? Not my actual house. They don't know, like, where I... But they... Because we did this thing on the radio where I proved... Again, I'm very petty. Yes. And I proved to Lewis... Uh, he was saying I live in the country. And he was like, well, if you live in the country i was like i live just around the corner he's like well people who live just around the corner can walk to work and then on air i was like fine i'll walk to work tomorrow <laughs> and then kind of like got off air and was like oh shit what have i done <laughs> but then the next morning i got off at 5 30 a.m and walked five and a half hours to prove that i don't live in the country yeah and after that everyone knew that i lived because we started calling it diamond city <laughs> so everyone realized where i live so now like i'll just be like going to the post office and people kind of know 
that like I vaguely live like not everyone like, I'm just saying but it, now it's become a weird thing if I'm at a bar in our area they'll guaranteed be like an 18 year old who's like bro like, <laughs> what is your area is it literally Diamond Creek or is like there Dime- like- no I never hang out in Diamond Creek like, yeah. if we like go to like a cafe or something it'll be an Eltham okay. um, but man like if we go out like we'll just go to Fitzroy or Brunswick or Richmond like yeah, no, yeah. no one no one actually goes out <laughs> in Diamond Creek because <laughs> like, like, otherwise the place will close at like 12 and then you're like oh what do we do now <laughs> lawnmower party yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, like we still like that's the thing. My life's still like in Melbourne, but I just yeah. yeah. And if you think about your childhood, did, did you, like did you have something that you? I never played you video games. Be, never played video games. Yeah, didn't have a console. Uh, and at the time, I thought it was like unfair. Not that my parents wouldn't let us. It was just like I never got into it as a kid. And then I get to I got to like year eight or nine, and I was like, I want a PlayStation. But then you know, I just didn't. I was like, oh, I don't really. Like, my brother's got one now and I don't even play it. What did you do? What was oh, your man, thing? I went good? outside. How weird's that? Well, um, I, I did the same carts thing. and like... Uh, bikes, jumps? Bikes all day. Like, yeah. we, me and my brother just used to go out and we like... Mum and dad would be like, get home before it's dark. And then like, it was like 10 a.m. And they wouldn't see him for eight hours. Yeah, we did the same thing. It was bike jumps with two bricks and a plank of oh, wood from sure. my dad's we factory. We used to build dirt bike jumps and like really like wow. hammer them and it was dangerous. It was stupid. Yeah, we, it was very dangerous. I remember like plowing into multiple fences from oh, that yeah. sort of shit. We used to be a bit, we were a bit of a like uh, pyrotechnics, like we used to love lighting shit on fire. Yeah, that's a good um, one. Potato guns, that was fun. Yeah, so yeah, we are very similar. Like, yeah. But I feel like, how old are you? Uh, 28. Right. Yeah, yeah, I feel like even now, like the... It's rare now. It, no, but even like I'm six years younger than you and even like in that time, it became even more weird to do that because like s- technologies, all my mates were like playing Nintendo 64 Yeah, and I was like, oh, bikes are cool. <laughs> You're my sister's age. That is, you, you don't come across as 22. Okay. How old do you think I look? This is an argument that's been coming up a lot lately. I'd say like 26, like <sighs> a couple of years younger than me. Everyone. So I was in, do you know who Michael Beverages? Yeah. He's like, a, I was in America, I was in New York, we're hanging out. And he's like, man, you're doing pretty, you know, good for someone your age. He's like, you know, like, what are you now? Like 27, 28? And I went, what? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm 22. And he was like, no way. So we asked a hot entire bar. We had this little Irish bar in lower Manhattan. And we within 15 minutes, we had an Irish bartender like taking bets on how old I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and like we asked everyone. No one thought I was under 25. Because wow. I realized that when I was over there, I wasn't getting asked for ID. And that's like being 19 here and not getting asked for ID. Because the drinking age is 21. Yeah. So it's like I'm 20. I'm only a year above even letting into getting went into a bar there wow and no one like no none of the bouncers that like i go to get out my id and they're like it's cool so do you <laughs> do you think that you look 20 you don't look 22 you look a little bit older like 22 that sucks is, for uh, me because that does the, that man have wrinkles like what's the problem i think because you got a bit of facial hair like a lot of 22 year olds you expect them to be a bit baby faced yeah, you know what I mean? I'm just very mature. Um, no. <laughs> but you, you don't speak like a 20... Like, I just know what 21, 22 year olds and they're like, you know, like just... Have they, you they been speak- listening to this conversation? Yeah. That's exactly what I speak No, it's not. I listen back to like our podcast on the radio. Like if we have to listen back to a bit of audio and I hate it. You're definitely a little bit younger than, um, you know, people like... How old's Lewis? 24. Is he? Yeah. Okay. How old do you think he was? I thought he's about my age. So everyone thinks. I think it's because we got into the game young. Yeah. I think I like. I just started doing this a year out of high school, and everyone assumes like it's very early to decide what you want to do. Mm. Like I decided 
I was doing a Bachelor of Music business and I hated it. And I started halfway through that year, I wanted to do stand-up. <laughs> and then that's a weird thing to start to do outside of, just yeah. out of high school. Most how, comedians don't start till they're 22, 23. How old do I look? Do I look 28 or younger? I was or about older? to say you're 25. Really? Yeah. I've always, Is that not good? You don't um, want to look I've younger? always had people say that I looked a bit older than what they thought I was. But you have a very clean cut look, so I just thought you were like a successful twenty five year old. <laughs> but you're just like a moderately successful twenty eight year old. Yeah. Wait, twenty seven? Twenty eight, yeah. Twenty eight, yeah. Moderately successful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you're wearing a watch and I've only just bought a watch. And like now I didn't wear it today because I'm like, I don't want to show off. But like I know that's not flexing, but in my head, because like I'm just like not used to having nice shit. So oh, I'm this just is like, very this is very casual. Yeah, for but me. I consider wearing like just a leather not even a nice watch. <laughs> It's not a nice watch. I got it from Thailand. It's not a nice watch. But like, I still consider that in my head. I'm like, man, stop showing off, dude, with your watch. Look, you're you're in the... You, uh, that's a good mentality it's to have. It's not a good flex. I, I think it's a good mentality to have because I, I know that when I got into watches, it makes you realize like the the money that's sometimes involved in them. That's a status what, thing for sure. It, it's, it's... Well, we've actually had an interview with um, a good mate of mine MJ, who loves watches, like he's obsessed with watches. And in a way, it sort of tells a bit of a story. Like, it, you know, people who are buying $10,000, $20,000 watches that are very unique watches, clearly one, know that whole scene, but two, they, they've they done pretty well for themselves to be doing that. Like, you occasionally yeah, get like a, a couple a like rich, That's rich like old Chinese fashion. guys, like Gucci. you know, who like buy something. Those clothes aren't worth $7,000, no. but wearing it and like the status of it, it's whatever you put a value. Like all those designer brands is just whatever someone else values it, then I guess that's what it's worth. But yeah. the material is worth probably like 50 bucks. Watches is a little bit different because watches, there's a lot of effort that goes into handmaking. They're not worth 20000 well, it's whatever. You, it's obviously Again, it's, it's whatever, whatever you want. Yeah, but like, but man hours and the material wise, it's not worth twenty thousand. Well, they're, they're handmade though. Twenty thousand depends. Dude, cars are worth twenty thousand. They're pretty complicated uh, pieces. Like, the, for example, there's a guy that I'm obsessed with following on Instagram, a Japanese uh, watchmaker, and uh, he, I can't remember his first name, but his last name is Kakuno, and that's the brand, and. The, the amount of effort that goes into like one little dial that he puts in this thing and this thing is so fucking complex it's just yeah. it's, you know it's like he, a year I know that you're like marveling over this watch but how dumb is it that he's putting all this effort in just to tell the time I know. it's like dude look at your phone and I bet you the guy who bought the $20,000 watch doesn't even appreciate because the kind of guy if you have that kind of money you don't have the time to appreciate the 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 dial Oh, those watches are like 200 grand. Yeah. So, and that sort of person who's buying that... And that uh, kind it's of person... Like buying, it's like buying art. It's totally yes. subjective. But it's like, to just tell... The, look at the sun. Is it dark? <laughs> it's night time. <laughs> That's free. Like I said, like you said, I don't think in that case that it's status. It's also like a bit of an appreciation for the amount of effort that goes into it. So, I think that's on another level. But those like one, even one $2,000 watches, I don't get it. Like, no, you know, I just use my, like I, you know, I just use my phone. But what did you think you were going to be when you, you were growing up? Uh, like, honestly, like there was a little part of me that always had this in the back of my mind. But like, I thought that you go through, like, I just went through the most 
This is how boring I am and how basic of a simple. <laughs> this is how simple. I started become very simple. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a chocolate taster. Then when I grew up a bit, I wanted to work at Legoland. I just had all the classic childhood dreams of whatever I liked doing at the time. Then I got into footy and I was like, boom, I'm an AFL footballer. This is my life now. And then I broke my arm in under 16s. I got fourth and the best and fairest. And I went, this isn't for me. <laughs> right? And then, uh, but all throughout all that time, I would say in a great, about grade five and six, I loved, the one constant thing in my life was I loved uh, radio and the comedy. Okay. But never really, never went to watch comedy live. I just liked, I used to watch clips and I loved Hamish and Andy. Yeah. Like I, I'd never missed a podcast since 2010. Really? And the, I set the bar so low in my life that I was like, man, maybe one day if I could even just be the janitor at the radio station, my life would be made. Wow. And like, that's how much I almost, and looking back at that now, I remember thinking like that would be the dream to just have a radio show. And then, well, this is what I was going to bring up before. Like you were like, you know, what do you want next? I achieved a weird time in my life this year where I weirdly achieved all my goals in three years <laughs> which maybe i set the bar too low but like at the time at the start of when i was just coming out of uni i was no one i didn't have any friends in the industry i didn't know anyone i just all i knew i was i wanted to do comedy i was like okay what are the goals i would love to have a radio show that would be the dream no matter what time slot just i'm um, even like a community radio show i was like man that would be awesome and then I was like, I'd love to sell out a hundred seater, like just a hundred strangers coming to a show. Wouldn't that be the, like the, I, 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 in my back of my head, I was like, I'd die happy if that happened. <laughs> and then like you, you start, so I started working my ass off every day to make this happen. And, and at the time I was frustrated. I was like, why hasn't it happened yet? And I'm like, dude, you're 19, calm down. <laughs> but then it kind of happened. Like all these things start to happen really quickly in the space of the last year and a half. And everything kind of started to pay off and, you know, all of a sudden, people started coming to shows and had this. I got a viral video. I became mates with all the people I'd idolized in the past, and all. It's like it was, I felt like oh, my career, like not career, that's a lame word, but like I felt like my life was on like a real upwards trajectory, like constantly. Yeah. And then uh, we got a radio show, and all of us like I, all these goals that I initially had had just been ticked off within a year, and I was like shit. And I got to the end of my tour this year, and I just went, "What next? Like, what do I do?" Well, what makes that even more remarkable? It was it was really and it, it scared me, man. I didn't upload that much content this year because I was like, I don't know what I, what I want to be doing. I've got this platform now. How do I use it? What do I really want to do? I'm like, I could keep making viral videos. I'm like, that doesn't make me happy. I was like, what makes me happy? And then it's just garbage. <laughs> it turns out yelling Luke's back on Instagram is what's doing it for me. <laughs> well, I I think what makes that really interesting is Lewis was telling me how you got into comedy. Like, I think you started pretty late at 18. Like, in comparison to most internet comedians, they're sort of, they're, they're 15, they're 16, they yeah. YouTube. Well, I thought it was too late. I remember, like, I was, I remember the first time I met Lewis still, and it was, I was, it was my eighth stand-up gig, and we're at this shisha bar in Springvale, and uh, I was, like, a kind of a fan. Like, it was a real moochie thing I did. I saw the, hey, did he tell you about this? Yeah. He, he told me about the, uh, the Nothing uh, Inc., Show. Yes. Yeah. So it, on this lineup, I I knew that like I listened to their show, their podcast, and I knew that they gigged at this place in Springvale, mm. and I was like, okay, like Khaled Elliot Loney, so Khaled Kalafala, who's a great stand-up comedian, Elliot Loney, he does online stuff as well, and Lewis, I'm like, they were all there that night, so I messaged Khaled, I was like, hey man, I'd love to come down and do a spot, and he's like, sweet, he didn't know who it was, but I was like, and to his credit, like 
A plus for him for giving me a go because I'd done like seven gigs and I was shit. And I got up on stage and I did quite well for some reason. I don't know how I just winged it. It was the first time I'd ever done really well. And they all saw it. So immediately they were all like, man, like, what? Because I was young. They were, Lewis and stuff were like interested. They were like, oh, that's weird. We've never seen a guy who's 19 do well before. And this is just you just your first time? Yeah, I was about my eighth gig on stage. Okay. But like, yeah, I'd only just started about a month or so earlier. And then we, and then I just kept, and I came back for 22 weeks in a row and we just ended up becoming friends. But like I came back to network initially, yeah. but then me and Lewis actually became great friends and I came, became great friends with Elliot and Khaled and stuff. And then that's how like, and, but at the time, and I, I had this Facebook page called Bears and Things where I was uploading videos because I didn't know if I wanted to do it yet. So I didn't know, I didn't want all this shit online and under my name. <laughs> Because I had that stupid mentality, like, what about if a boss in the future sees this? And, and then I realized, no one cares. <laughs> like, no one gives a shit. But um, yeah, at the time, I was doing videos that would get 10 likes. And I was asking Lewis, like, man, if you like, you know, like, what did, like, I was just asking for advice. I was a loser. I was no one. And I guess I just kept, kept doing it. You just don't, don't give up. I was real close to giving up. That was the interesting thing that, like, a lot of people have mentioned, like, if I reached out to them and, I spoke to others about what sort of defines your approach to comedy. The number one thing that most people said was that work ethic. And I mean, Lewis sort of quantified that with the fact that he, he reckons you were there for nearly like six months. With Every that. week for yeah. six months. But that was just one day a week. Like I was doing three or four, like at other rooms as well. Wow. But I, I would just like, I, like, cause it was, I wasn't, wasn't good at stand up at the start. I had no natural ability. Right. I, I was pretty bad. And I was just like, I knew it was a thing I could be good at. Cause I was like naturally, I could talk and I was, could make my friends laugh. But it's a totally different skill. So, what was that first time like? Like, what I was the first time bombing? Anything I said the first time. I mean, the first time bombing was just my first gig. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember anything I said. I think I got one or two laughs and that was enough to get me to come back. I was like, I, as soon as I got okay. a few people to laugh, I was like hooked. So, I was going to say, why why go back and do it if you bombed the I first time? I was hooked, time? man. Because I, I knew I could be good at it. Yeah. I just wanted to be good at it so bad. I wanted to be one of those guys. I just wanted to be a guy. And, and what was the trigger? Was it literally listening to that Nothing Inc. podcast or... Nah, like, nah. What, what, in your, what in your head said, fuck it, I'm just going to go do this? Oh, no, I was doing stand-up probably before. It was seeing Nick Cody's show. Uh, That's right. The, the Comedy Combination. Festival. Yeah. Um, Beer Game Strong. And well, I went... Why? Man, I, I was an arrogant thing where I, I think I had it in the back of my mind maybe going that like sussing out what live comedy is. I'd never seen stand-up before in my life until March 2015. And I watched him in the small room for an hour just crush. And I was like, man, this guy's job is so easy. This guy just talks for an hour. <laughs> and then you'd now realize that that's, it's, a, it's very hard. But um, it was a little bit of arrogance and a little bit of me going like, this looks like the most fun in the world. Yeah. Because my whole thing in life was like, I never want to have a real job. Yeah. That's- and I'm doing it. Well, Lewis said as well is that that thing that you both bonded on was sort of that that work ethic, and oh, then he, sure, he sort of found like a fellow c- commit someone who was serious about internet and comedy, and just as like yeah, Lewis was someone for me. A who I looked up to already, yeah, and B it was like I modelled kind of. I already had a pretty strong work ethic, but then as soon as I met him. It was like, it gave me almost a blueprint of like what it actually takes to be successful because mm. Lewis had already gained some like pretty good amount of success at the time when I met him. And then I, he was great. To ha- he took me on tour with him. So I just got to do heaps of opening spots. And that at, at the time when you're a year into comedy, 
you never get an opportunity to perform in front of 150 paying people. Yeah. No, no other open mic comedians ever get that opportunity. And people frown, like people look down on internet comedy and stuff still even in a, just in Australian comedy in general. I feel like there's still, not, not as much, but like not with everyone, but there's still a few people in the industry who definitely look down on it. It definitely And is. me being associated with Lewis at the time did create like a little bit of a divide, I feel, between some other people some of the comedians and other people in the industry because it's like people see it as like illegitimate mm. and it's like dude if i'm making people laugh and they're coming to see me Happy that's co- that's comedy <laughs> so you can't not call what i do being a stand-up comedian yeah and then it's like i still do three gigs a week to strangers at bars so i don't know what why there is like animosity. you do now yeah every every week of course fuck like that yeah. how else are you gonna get good so Okay, that's that's interesting. Before we get into your day-to-day and week-to-week, I'm just curious, where do you think this sort of work ethic comes from? I just, uh, like, I I think if I love something, I'm the type of person, like, at school, didn't apply myself I didn't because I didn't care, but I really want to do something, I will just put my life, I'll just pour my life into it. So, you think it was just... It just head- consumed me. Like, in, in, I got obsessed yeah. with the idea of... I got obsessed with comedy in the process, but I also got obsessed with the idea of being of the idea of being successful at it. Mm. I got obsessed with like the grind and the steps that it would take. Like I love the process. Dude, I, like I don't even care about bombing because I'm like, man, like this is still worthwhile. That's very interesting because that would explain why you've been a bit anxious now that you've sort of you've reached a few of. Well, Those yeah, because I, was on, this, get in I was on this like constant grind for like three years straight. I never stopped. I never looked back once. I never like stopped to smell the roses. I never looked back. And then after this tour, I did because I remember this is how like again it's maybe a lack of confidence in my ability or whatever. But like I opened for Lewis in 2016. Oh yeah, 2016 at the Giant Dwarf Theatre. Um, oh man, it was 2017. No, 2016. And then uh, that's 200. Uh, about 300 seater in Sydney I was like man imagine I like at the time I remember on stage thinking if I could do this room myself in the next 10 years that would be unbelievable and then this show my tour I did the room and heaps of people came and it was a great show and I was on stage and I was like right so I achieved that goal a lot quicker than which is amazing and like it's super cool that people want to come out but like yeah, it was almost like I got home from that tour and I was like, well, fuck, like, what do I do now? So, what what are you thinking? What do you want to do? What are the uh, goals for the next few Well, years? that's kind of like why I've had a weird six months since the tour. I went to America. I didn't like... I was just like started doing stuff to like just do... I just like started doing things for the sake of doing things. I was yeah. like, let's do shit I never usually do and like get a grasp. Because I feel like I didn't even look at what my life had become for three years. I was just like, wake up, comedy... Occasionally see friends, back to bed. Mm. And that's what well, that was my life. And then I stopped and I was like, am I happy? Like, what am I? Like, there's some things about my life that I wasn't happy with. And there's some things that I was. And then, like, I awesome. I started to, I went and watched heaps of comedy in America. And the, it was great watching, like, the guys like oh, I idolized, like, yeah. Crystalia, um, Theo Vaughn, Rogan. And I saw, I saw Louis C.K. four times at the cellar. That's right. Which was pretty cool because um, he's just making his comeback now. But um, <laughs> that was actually kind of weird, to be honest. But uh, yeah, but like all those guys like, who I idolized, I was, uh, now I kind of have new goals. I think I just want to be, I want to create that in Australia. 
So, like, with me, Frenchie, Lewis and stuff, you know how, like, you just, like, how they're all, like, associated with each other and, Mm. like, they're all just huge and they all just bring each other up? Yeah. I want to create that in Australia and I've been talking to Josh Wade about it and we're all, most of us are now with Verve, uh, Josh's company. He's touring us all and it's just, like, we're just going to try and take over, like, and create a new space for comedy in Australia. And I think you will. I think I've been, you know, I've spoken to Lewis and Josh about this, this, stuff and the business side of things i think it's ripe there for the taking we're most kind of like young as well so like this it's not like we're gonna run out of time yeah and i think that well most comedy in australia has become really flat and just boring you know what i mean like it's just sort of there's a few out there that are still very good but i still think there's amazing comedians in australia i yeah. think we have some of the best comedians in the world still but if you go to the comedy fest it, it is a bit it's becoming a bit politically correct oh, of course watch, and it's, it's making I mean, it watch the gala like even yeah. now like hey like i don't want to knock the gala because it'd be awesome to do but like i hey i'll never get asked and because we do online stuff but you know what that's a, that does not bother me at all i feel like there's a bunch of comedians right now trying to get on the gala mm-hmm. like like that's because you ask people who are like just doing open mics and stuff you're like what's the end goal because that's always confused me. I'm like, what are you just like coming out to bars every night doing? Because the reason why I go out to bars, I practice material so then I can tour the shows. But I'm like, if you're not touring an hour every year, why are you here? Yeah. I'm all, I, that's just not like I'm, I'm trying to be negative towards them. I'm just actually like, what are you doing? Because like, otherwise, why, I'd just rather be at home. The only reason I'm here is because I'm working towards an end goal. So I think the goal for them is like, hopefully they'll get picked up and then one day make it on the gala and then happy. But I feel like that doesn't happen anymore. You make no, it, never think does. about it. Do you watch the gala anymore? Um, no. No, you used to when it was on Channel 10, didn't you? Yeah. Now it's on ABC and no one gives a fuck. Now what I do is I go you down. You watch the clips online sometimes, yeah. maybe? Yeah, clips. But I also have people I want to see. I, You know, I've sort of gotten... Unless someone tells me, like, unless Josh or Neil tells me, you got to go see this person, then I'll you... generally see them when they're here. Yeah. Um, but most, I don't know, I just find, like, most of it has gotten really watered down. Like, we, like Will Anderson have... used to be, he, he's a very funny guy and I, I, oh, he's I, incredible. I, I'd love to interview him. But it's become about, like, like you, there's always going to be a message Oh yeah, you'd yeah, it's, for it sure. Gets, it gets well. It, it's on the ABC. Like I go from my life, and I want to go to a show, and I just want to escape a bit, and I want to have a laugh. I don't want to have to be told I have to do something yeah. or or think think a certain way. Yeah, just um, just if you're if you're going to be intellectually funny, then just be intellectually. I don't funny. even think the benefit is there anymore to even be on TV as much as it used to be. Like there's still a benefit, and you can still sell tickets off it, but. Man, like, you see these clips and, you know, some clips that get on the gala might get, like, 30,000 views on their YouTube page. I had a clip that got 2 million views last year, a stand-up clip. They got 2 million views on Facebook and 100,000 on YouTube. And to me, that's way more beneficial because, A, it's on my pages. So, immediately, they're going from my video straight to another stand-up clip of mine. And it's not like they're going from a, you know... I love that my stuff's all in the... You just search Luke Kidgel and all my shit's there. Mm. You, you're not searching Luke Kidgel and then stuff I've done on ABC's coming up. Because, like, you search other comedians and all their content is on different platforms and different areas of the internet. Some's on the Melbourne Comedy Festival page. Some's on iView. Yeah, there's... Some's not- on... And it's like, dude, all my con- all my content is in this one place. Yeah. And it's so easy to consume it. Yeah, we, we notice that when we interview comedians that are internet comedians versus 
the old guard. And yeah, it, and there's it, nothing wrong with the old guard, by the way. There, there isn't, but it's just it's different. It's it's a different way I of just, doing things. I just find the way, like I mean, some of the other internet guys are doing it. To me, that makes the most sense. That's yeah. why I did it because that's what I grew up watching. I grew up watching Alex Williamson stuff because I was year eight when he was popping. Yeah, you know what I mean, like when he just started. I remember watching the loosest Aussie bloke losing my shit. <laughs> like uh, so that's re- just that's just what I've always liked. He really did pave the way, that guy. Of course, he's um, a king. So, what does your day to day and week to week normally look like? At I least mean, at the moment. The, at the moment, I mean, like, next two weeks, Lewis and I are doing radio every night, so it changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so, like this week has been filming uh when i'm home alone uh because <laughs> i don't want to piss anyone off because i'm screaming in the lounge room uh because i still live at home which is the one obstacle that's constantly keeps coming back um sorry you'll get there yeah i mean yeah i'll eventually <laughs> move out or whatever but like uh so it's filming editing um then i'll stuff like this like podcasts or what you know yeah and then at the moment i've I'm on the phone with Josh most days. We're organizing the tour for next year. I'm doing 32 dates. So there's a lot of organization. I've already had to do all the festival registrations. Uh, I've got to get photos done. At the moment, I'm speaking with an artist. She's started doing drafts for my poster. Um, Lots of it's just boring shit, like posters and photos and organizing. Lots of it's emails back and forth. Yeah. I spend probably like two hours a day doing that, which people probably don't realize. Wow. That's boring. Two day, two hours of emails. Just, or well, just admin stuff. Well, like admin. Yeah, general. Because, like, you know, you're back and forthing and your phone calls and it's like, you know, Lewis and I are talking to, you know, radio management where it's, you know, I've had to, where I'm talking to touring management, which is Josh. I'm, and then we get in every day, this, the next two weeks at least, um, at about 7, 8 p.m. to the radio station and we're on till midnight. Okay. So then we, and then I get home at about 1 and it's hard to get to sleep. So sometimes I'll edit till 3 wow. and then I'll wake up at like 9 or 10 and I'll do it all over again. Shit. Six, seven hours sleep. Ba-bang. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty hectic. Like this week I, it's kind of, yeah, I, I feel like I've had to cancel on a couple of mates and stuff. It's shit. But like I always still try and allow like one day a week to just be a normal human. So what is the brand of Luke Kidgel? How would you describe it? Uh, I feel like it's about to change and it's changed in the last six months. I feel like my life has changed. Okay. Uh, I feel like it was this guy who was like... Meme Lord No, no I still want to do that. I still want to be like <laughs> Meme Lord. I think that's funny and that's what I'm good at. But like it was almost like Meme Lord and then I'd try and do videos on like Logan Paul and like whatever was trending on the internet. And I realized like recently, I'm like, I don't give a shit. Oh, the, reason, the only reason why I was watching it was to do content on it. And I'm like, now I just do videos whatever I want to do about. I love The Bachelor, so I just do videos on The Bachelor. <laughs> like, that's funny to me is commenting. You know why that's funny to me? Because it doesn't matter. It's funny to make a joke about some girl or some guy or whatever <laughs> who, A, everyone will forget about in three months, and B, who gives a shit about the drama that's happening in the show, which is why it's funny to jo- joke about. Yeah, I just love doing content about things that people briefly care about like love island and stuff it's hilarious to me <laughs> so I, I just want to keep doing stuff like that and also really want to turn my content into just whatever i'm doing mm. make people not sort of make people care it's like i don't care if you care that's another thing sometimes because i have shifted my content a bit lately just posting all these luke's back stuff and <laughs> now i just post whatever i want to and i used to uphold a standard on instagram and now i just like i just don't think that's my new rule is don't think do just don't think post 
Because mm. you know what? It doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, people look at it for three seconds and then just keep scrolling anyway. Yeah. And I used to like sit there for 20 minutes trying to come up with a funny caption. And now I'm just like, dude, just fucking post it. Like, who cares? I'd rather post more. Now quantity is more important over quality on social media. Interesting. I reckon. You reckon? For sure. Like, look what guys, like American guys, like Delia and stuff, they're posting on Instagram three, four times a day. And I realized that for six months before I started doing it, I'm like, I was, I loved it. I love following whatever he was doing, whatever he's talking about on his podcast. Like, I, I have this idea. I'm touring a show next year called The Tambourine Tour. And uh, it's because I take <laughs> this... fucking tambourine. Yeah, I take a tambourine with me everywhere I go in the world. And it started because one day I was going to Thailand and five minutes before I was about to leave, I was just thought... I saw my tambourine there and then quickly did an Instagram story. Again, don't think, do. Just do an Instagram story. I was like, hey, guys, should I take the Instagram... To, uh, sorry, should I take the tambourine to Thailand with me? And everyone, like, 99% of people like, yes, take it. So, I was like, sweet. This will, I'm like... And I, I'm just thinking this will be a funny few days of content in Thailand. Take the tambourine with me. You know, I'm filming it at the airport. I'm filming on the plane. I'm jingling everywhere I go. And then all of a sudden, I'm taking it to landmarks all around, like, the country. And then it just became this... Like, that thing was never supposed to happen. It was a, a small idea I had in my bedroom three minutes before I was about to leave for the airport. And then, you know, my mum like, was taking me, like was doing something else. So I was sitting in my room bored. And now I'm doing a national tour called the Tambourine Tour. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's to me how I want my content to be. Yeah. I want it to be whatever Just I think is funny at the time. Because yeah. that's always what is funniest. That That is because I was going to ask you what, it's are your, real. what are your principles and that... I love that. I love authenticity. Because I, yeah. I think for three years, I, that's the thing that I've changed in the last six months. So when I stopped after my tour and went, okay, what do I actually want to be? I want to be Luke Kidgel. Yeah. For a bit, I was trying to be like this viral guy. <laughs> I was trying to be the idea of what I thought a successful internet comedian was. And now I just want to be, I want to do my own thing. I want people to like look at what I do and go, that's how you do it. I'm just going to do whatever, man. It's fun. And how do you view the structure of all this stuff? Like, are you... I do you know, have a structure for it. Like, I've kind of mapped out a couple of in-jokes. Like, I have some... But again, it's not me mapping them out. It's people participating. So, I like, you know, this tambourine thing. Everyone sends me ideas and pictures. Now, people have started to also travel the world with a tambourine. Oh I got people on Kentucky tours now going, we bought a tambourine and <laughs> they're outside the Eiffel Tower. And that shit, that to me, that shit is so much more powerful than someone watching you and have you been paying attention. Mm. You know what I mean? But like, do you that- do you view like, okay, I'm gonna social media and stand up. Like, so social media. I is go. Where how you- can this complement my 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 brand for sure? But like, are you you know do you put out stuff on social media and then you write and then you do your your actual like three nights a week type thing yeah. and then that forms the show or sort of how does this no, like, no, feed like, into that it? stuff like is the show won't be necessarily that much about the tambourine it's just an hour of stand-up yeah, but I yeah. will do stuff like you know the tambourine went to America this year and I have a few bits about America yeah um, like how does it feed into that end product which is I mean the, the end the end product is the marketing people coming mm. the end product is people want to come because they like me mm. no one's coming because cause like people people know I'm not the best comedian in Australia. If you want to see the best comedian in Australia, you go see Will Anderson, mm. right? Or Dave Hughes or someone like that. People come because they are invested in what you're doing. People come because they want to see me and talk, talk about whatever I think is interesting because they've invested in it during the year. Because like I entertain people every single day for free throughout the year on social media. So then I feel like some people go... Well, now's my one chance to support him by giving him 30 bucks once a year. 
and that to me is the end goal of making people come out of their house. I see. Um, but I, I do plan out the content. Like, yeah, someone messaged me saying, hey, man, there's a tambourine mountain in uh, somewhere in Queensland. So now I'm going to build to the... When I go to my Queensland shows on my tour, I'm going to try and... The goal is... I haven't really talked about this at all. No one knows, but I have planned. I think I'm going to try and do a live podcast at the top of Tambourine Mountain. <laughs> and then people will come. People will come for the hike and we'll just record the podcast on the hike. People want to come for that journey. Wow. it'll And then the weeks leading up to it will be how we're going to achieve it. What do we need to bring to hike Tambourine Mountain? How many tambourines do we need? Stuff like that to me is... It's not even comedy. It is comedy because you can be funny along the way. But mapping out those arcs and stuff is the fun part for me. Like that's where I get a kick out of what I do because it's like the whole idea is funny. The whole idea, it's so stupid to hike a mountain just <laughs> just because it's called Tambourine Mountain. <laughs> How big is this mountain? Don't know. Again, we'll find out. That. It could be one of the biggest mountains. It could be tiny. Who cares? The point is that that, that stuff's not important. Yeah. What's important is creating a journey of and making people care about it that's so funny i think that's i think that's where i want to change my content to is just like and dude you're gonna get sucked in everyone gets sucked in you'll see me posting about it and stuff and you'll be like i wonder if he's gonna get there <laughs> like there'll be a little part of you that kind of wants to follow well, the like, journey okay for example with because it's interesting it's but, weird but the stuff that you do does suck you in like you were doing that luke's back thing and yeah i commented about the car i thought you were fucking serious no <laughs> like, and I was, I was like oh my god i was like to i was like i made this instagram story and i was like man i need a chiropractor man because my back's so sore because luke's back right and you're like hey man i think you should actually like use a physio or something like that and i was like yeah dude i was that was not my back's not actually so. but again but again that's what i love because you're quite new to my content yeah so you're still like that's what i love that it takes about three weeks to grasp kind of what i do but then once you get it then you get it yeah you know what i mean like you can then in three weeks if i've had a post of that if you've been following me for three weeks before that you would have seen that and been like oh he's fucking around because yeah. that's all i do <laughs> well I, I i think like i really understood that but um you know just before i went to josh's show and i met you but you know it's so what i'm saying is it's so good that it, it can suck people in without them realizing well, i feel like that's what sets i was like what sets me apart because like yeah it's easy to make videos about topical shit everyone does that's every youtuber but i'm like what what people are it's actually a skill which i feel like i'm good at because it's all I ever do, is just making people care about a dumb idea. And the reason why people care is because I genuinely care. Like, <laughs> I when when that Reese Masson thing was happening, I was genuinely like, I love this song. I, I want everyone to know this dance. <laughs> so I just did it all the time. And I feel like people can tell whether you actually care and whether you don't care. Yeah. And for me, the authentic part for me is I really want to go to Tambourine Mountain and do a live podcast. So it's sort of like you've mashed together your uh your personality with your ability uh, to push forth these well, I th ideas i think it's like was the hamish and andy influence because yeah. every you know they used to do arcs whether it was going on a tall ship to tasmania uh on a cruise ship whether it was whatever they're doing getting the kfc buckets spinning again there was always like an element of a journey you felt like you were you're a part of it and i it's love a true that. story yeah and it's and and it's the thing is i never set an end goal you know what I mean? Like, yes, the goal is to climb Tambourine Mountain, but wouldn't it be funny, like, if we go there and it gets rained out, there's a storm, and then we do the live podcast from a shitty uh, hostel somewhere. Like, 
doesn't matter what, what the end goal is. The the attempt is funnier than the than the, we could get halfway up and not make it. Yeah, bang. Hilarious. Well, again, it's like going back to that yeah. school school room. Yeah, you know, who like, cares what happens? The point is, <laughs> we're doing it and it's funny. It's like you know having some joke about Mister Pio. Yeah, Mr. and <laughs> like, you just say it all the time, and then all, and then but then you start doing jokes about the joke. You start going like, I don't know, like the Amy Shark says hi things. We start making more jokes about. The, like the joke there's always the initial joke but then you go like all right now can we get her on the show and get her to say amy shark says hi mm. and then then can we get thingo to say it can we get on another radio show do an interview about just amy shark like we tried to get on other radio shows just to promote amy shark not ourselves <laughs> like we just we like you know what i mean there's other angles that you can hear the joke from do you yeah i really really like that do, do you think that if you took away the comedy element, like just as a form of messaging, do you think it'd be really hard to push forth these ideas or does it have to be funny? It's way easier to get in on an idea if you're initially, like think about it, you as a consumer, if you're initially like smirk at the thought of someone doing that, it's way easy to suck you in. And then by the end, you realize you're not even watching it because you find it funny anymore. You're watching it because you want to know the end result. <laughs> yeah. But like, the yeah, I feel like at the end of the day, it's... I don't think it has to be funny. It has to be fun. Mm. So, for example, the good night dance was just fun to do. It was just jumping up and fist bumping to a, a classic song that everyone kind of remembers. That's fun yeah. to do with your friends. That's a fun, funny thing to do. So, I don't think funny. It, it has to be fun, though. Okay. That's very interesting. Now, um, when I was chatting to Lewis uh, last week, I didn't realize, to be honest, how how much I think you guys have the potential to change radio for people who are trying to enter this space like they've they've something cross radio something cross stereo i think it is they came out with this whole new hubble thing and yeah. it sort of looks like they've realized that you guys are well, sort of the next wave and it's a credit to them because it's the first i guess calling it old media now i don't even view them as old media because i think again they're at the forefront again mm. uh because they are good on them that, that they're giving a lot of new people a shot because lots of other radio shows don't sorry radio networks don't even develop talent they just get people off a reality show and hope it yeah. works out and i think at the end of the day people i'd rather listen to two people i didn't know who were funny than someone i might have seen on the tv who's not yeah and not saying that we are that but i'm just saying like at least they're letting us try well reminds of that sam also, frost thing yeah, and well, yeah, <laughs> she was on the network. Yeah, she's not anymore. But uh, yeah, that that show didn't work out, and for m many reasons, um, the fact that Rove and Sam were years apart, like yeah. they and the, the would they be friends in real life? You got to ask yourself that. Would Sam Frost really be friends with Rove, who's like ten years older? Probably no not. No way. So why would it work on air? Why would they have chemistry on air? Me and Lewis though were friends before we started, so now our show is just shitting on each other and doing whatever we find funny <laughs> and we naturally are amused by the same things usually mm. so it's just and again we're not trying to be like uh, a Hamish and Eddie like obviously you get comparisons because it's two white males doing comedy and I get why people compare us because they're the biggest two white males who do comedy in Australia and we're coming up so obviously you're going to get comparisons Yeah, but 
I feel like we're just trying to do like our show is not the same. If you listen to our show and theirs, you'd be like, "Hey, Luke and Lewis, their show sucks," but in the best possible way. <laughs> like last night, we've, we were twenty seconds into doing our show, Lewis just left the studio because <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you're not welcome here," and then he just walked out. <laughs> so it was just me and a button pusher radio mic just talking, going like, "Yeah, we don't want him back anyway." Like no other show would do that. Yeah, every other show would be scared. Because it's not traditional radio. Yeah. When when have you been listening to the radio and the show fucks off? <laughs> like the, the, like one of the co-hosts leaves. Did Lewis to the, like a month ago was on the, was taking a shit was when we were during a song and then. He was still in the toilet and it was like 20 seconds till we're back on air and our producers start freaking out. They're going, quick, just go to another song. And I'm like, no way. We're going on air. <laughs> and like, but Lewis isn't back. I'm like, yeah, exactly. He's taking his shit when we're supposed to be live. <laughs> Hilarious. So it's like, three, two, one, mic's on. Go back on. I'm like, it's Luke and Lewis on the Fox. Uh, Lewis uh, is actually in the toilet right now. And uh, if you can hear me right now, mate, uh, just on air without you. Yeah, like... <laughs> But that is what's, I feel like that's what sets our show apart mm. is A, we have a fallback of stand-up and videos and stuff. So, if we got fired for doing shit like that, yeah. Don't care. Don't care. Yeah. Like, it, not that we don't, we love doing radio, but at the end of the day is we had the uh, ability, I think, and the fallback where we could take risks really early. I walked to work two weeks into having a radio show <laughs> and that put us on the map. Everyone else in the office went, who the fuck are these guys? Like, We were on digital radio. No one was listening and I walked five and a half hours to prove a point. But that video ended up getting 150,000 views. Wow. And how has that helped your comedy, do you think? Uh, it's fearless. Yeah. In, in a, Not in the sense that like, I don't try and be edgy and stuff. Not in that way. Not in like a, I sell what I want because I'm not that type of person. Fearless in like a, I don't give a fuck as to what people think because mm. I've had a lot of success just doing me. Mm. Doing what I find naturally funny has worked. I don't know. You know what? Sometimes I sit back and I go like, why do people like this? <laughs> but clearly there's an audience for it and that's something I'm very thankful for. But uh, what was the question? How has it helped your comedy? Just doing like radio or doing... Yeah. Oh, man. Having to come up with 10 ideas every day that are funny. So, like tonight, we're going... I don't know even what we're going to talk about tonight on the radio. <laughs> but who knows? We'll work it out when we get there. Yeah. So, forcing yourself to be creative all the time is a good uh, muscle. Finding comfort in discomfort, I guess. Yeah. It's every... The constant... Pre being funny under pressure was initially hard for me and now it's like... It's my job. So, it's like I wake up every day and I'm like, turn it on or you're not going to get paid. Before we get into some short, fast questions mm -hmm. to finish off, I was curious about this thing that Lewis mentioned called the Jeff and Big Spaghetti radio oh, show. No, he did not. What is that? That's disrespectful to you that he brought that up on your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> what the fuck? So, did he not explain it? No. He's a dog. This is what we do to each other. We set each other up. So, I'll do this to him, man. Like, I'll just like... I'll screw him over where I'll like bring up a thing and then he has to weasel his way out of it. Like we do it to each other on stage one day. Um, Lewis, we had this joke. Oh, I'll get to the Jeff and Big Spaghetti thing, but we had this in joke. Again, this is what we do personally and it ends up seeping onto the radio. So this is before we had a radio show. Between us, we were on tour and we're eating Wheat Bix every day and we're calling ourselves the Bix Boys, right? Okay. And then the Bix Boys started to get talked about on podcasts and then all our fans started bringing Wheat Bix to the shows. <laughs> Again, it's, it's just shit, but it's funny because you can participate in it, right? And then Lewis left a Wheat Bix 
left her one wee pics on the seat one night of the stool because as I was opening for him and everyone and I noticed halfway through the third everyone cheered and went he finally noticed the wee pics right but then I was like I was like you know what half the audience doesn't get this half the audience doesn't listen to our podcast fuck him I'm gonna let Lewis have to weasel his way out of explaining how shitty this wee pics in joke is to 300 people at his own show so I left the wee pics there and then he comes out and he has to then, during his stand-up show, explain why we thought putting wheat picks on a stool was funny. And that's exactly what he's just done right now. <laughs> now I have to explain why we think the Jeff and Big Spaghetti radio show. So, do you know the My Name Jeff meme? Yeah. Yeah. That's how it all started. We say it all the time. It's got to a point now where it's a tick. Like, I'll stub my toe on the door and be like, oh, Jeff. Like, it's pathetic. Right? So, what he wrote was... Oh, no. Um, <laughs> the Jeff and Big Spaghetti show and how... They, <laughs> this, they, is, again, this is the shit that I find funny. More than actual comedy itself is just yelling Jeff. I want to see how he's how he's phrased it, but I, I wrote here how they've influenced and helped slash mentored us on our... <laughs> <laughs> Sucks. So basically, <laughs> I'm guessing these people don't exist. No, they don't exist. Yeah, there's not a dude called Big Spaghetti. No, sorry, they do. Hey, sorry, they do exist. They're a radio show on Nova Drive. Okay. Uh, lots of people think hey, Tim and Marty do the Nova Drive show. Right. They're wrong. It's actually Jeff and Big Spaghetti, and they're uh, Bun Pusher Radio Raheem. But anyway, so yeah, it was this long running thing where uh, we used to, because we used to talk about radio a bunch and like where we are and. We used to be like, uh, man, I wonder how Jeff and Big Spaghetti are doing. Like, man, we're still on Triple M on a digital. They're on Nova Drive. What do they have that we don't? <laughs> and then it just got out of hand to the point where, have you got the opener? What? Have you seen the opener? No. Uh, that Mike made? Like, it got to the point now where we we made this opener to, to convince... We convinced our bosses that Nova actually had a show. We convinced radio bosses at Oz Stereo that Nova had a show called the radio, the, called the Jeff and Big Spaghetti Show. <laughs> Are you ready for this premium garbage? Give it to you. Boil up the water on the stove, put the pasta in, and wait for it to cook, because it's four o'clock. Which means it's time for the Jeff and Big Spaghetti Show. Never Jeff. <laughs> With Radio Raheem. Yeah. Oh my god. Who did the voiceover? Well, that's the thing. Mike, our button pusher, got professional audio engineers at the radio station to make that on company time. <laughs> we never even played it on the show. <laughs> we just did it to piss people. Because t- we were always talking about Jeff and Big Spaghetti, and people were like, are they a real show? And then we made this, we'd show them, and then you hear that, and you go, oh shit, this is real. <laughs> Fucking hell! Because I was gonna say, I was, I've got here. What is the Jeff and Big Spaghetti Show? How has it influenced? Oh you? man, they're the, our biggest influences. I mean, because we say Jeff every day, and it was when the somebody touched my spaghetti meme was out. We started yelling about Big Spaghetti. Fuck. Where do you think this radio thing goes? Do you think you guys have your own skit show? Eventually, uh, is that, is we, that the goal? we want to be on Drive? Uh, mm. That's the where it goes. National Drive, I think, and then AM or PM. PM. Is Drive PM. P- Drivers four to six. Breakfast, breakfast is okay. like thing. We don't have no interest ever doing breakfast. Yeah, just because the content's different, not because the hours. Yeah. The content is like topical new stuff. That's what people want to hear in the morning. When you're driving home, people just want to hear funny shit. Yeah, on the way home. But in the morning, people want to hear the weather, traffic. I get that, and that's not something I'm not interested in. But uh, yeah, drive is where it goes. We just kind of do it. I don't know. Like even if we never go and drive, I I won't regret ever doing it because it's like it's such a good 
platform for us to do comedy on like the way uh, again doing all these arcs and stuff like when we go to tambourine mountain i might just start doing that on the radio show as well and that reminds me of charlie yeah <laughs> candy mountain charlie <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i mean like it's just a good platform to do those kind of arcs and do what comedy we find funny on mm. so because yes we are broadcasting live but to us like people listening to the podcast and following the show is more important to us hmm yeah, it's, it's and watching the videos and stuff. I definitely agree with that. It sells us tickets as well. <laughs> um, we're going to jump into some short, Let's fast do questions. It. Uh, all right, this is going for so long. Is this I know, like the longest a- podcast you've ever done? Uh, I don't shut up. No, nah, one of the longest ones we did was nearly two hours. Oh, okay, or maybe just over two I'm hours. Glad. Um, it's like Joe Rogan. Yeah, morning routine. Uh, what does that look like? I wake up, have wee picks, and then I start going about my day. Okay, evening. How do you sort of decompress at night? Well, I, don't, I don't because I get home late. Evenings when I work, yeah. most I would say, yeah, morning, yeah, during the day I actually decompress and then I get I'm out at night every night, pretty okay. much. Um, best purchase under two hundred dollars. <sighs> Recently, or whenever you want. I mean, uh, probably like something I got from Thailand that was dumb. <laughs> I don't know. Well, <laughs> what about the tambourine? tambourine? No, tambourine. <laughs> like financial-wise, yeah, I'm making a lot. I'm profiting out of that $20 tambourine for sure. Um, if you had to gift a book to the audience for Christmas? Specky McGee. Specky McGee. <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote that? Is that Ferris Gary Lyon? Serena and Gary Lyon, the two oh. greatest authors of our generation. How wow. dare you? <laughs> Um, for remember, those who don't know, it's a book about it's a kids' book about footy. <laughs> yeah, a ki- about a up and coming um, up and coming football star who okay. takes good speckies, and his last name's McGee. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have a billboard anywhere in Australia, where would it be? Ooh, and what would it no, say? I was about to say, Laura, that's very disrespectful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sydney Harbour Bridge. Now that all this controversy is, yeah, Sydney Harbour Bridge. Yeah, just um, what would you have on it? Um, I wouldn't be me. It'd be the Jeff and Big Spaghetti Show uh, on Nova Drive in Melbourne. That's the I wouldn't even advertise them in Melbourne. I'd go to Sydney and make sure they go national. Okay. Um, or, or, or a thing selling everyone to vote for Amy Shark in the... Uh, which we did. We, we kind of did. We hung a, a huge thing over the Fox thing. Anyway, it was a whole thing. We made a huge billboard for Amy Shark. <clears throat> Any quotes that you live your life by at all? No, I'm not a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> just, like you that. know what? Nike, just... Do it. Yeah, I like that. I think that typifies you. Just do it. Who cares? <laughs> I don't care enough to even memorize quotes. I'm too busy doing shit memes. <laughs> Luke, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Where can people find you on social and the interwebs? Just look up Luke Kidgel on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Don't bother about Snapchat. It's dead. It's over. I'm not gonna. You're not gonna see me on there. LukeKidgel.com. Oh, uh, yeah. That's the way you can actually, like, keep, buy keep tickets. Subscribe to the mailing list. Yeah, subscribe to the mailing list. I saw you did, and yeah. I was going to thank you today. I really appreciate that support, um, and you'll be copying an email soon about tickets to the Comedy Festival next year. Beautiful. Well, look, uh, it's been a pleasure having you here, mate. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. Cheers. Next, you should have Jeff and Big Spaghetti. <laughs> thank you for making it this far. Before you run off, we have a quick ask for you. Subscribe on your podcast app. Subscribing will give you priority access and help your fellow-minded listeners find Uncommon. Or you could also share with a friend. This will go a long way in building our audience, which will help us both get further guests on the show. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube by searching Neural, which is N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E. But until next time, thanks for listening.
This podcast is brought to you by Neural Media. Neural Media is an effortless and affordable content production service. We help businesses save time and money by taking away the pain of producing content. If you want to grow your audience through content production, head to neural.com slash media. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E dot com slash media. Create a quote and request a callback from me personally. If you want to learn more about the benefits of growing your audience, download our free series on how to create content at the bottom of neural.com slash media. Listeners to this podcast receive a special 10% discount by using the promo code UNCOMMON.